In the name of the one true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Christ the Redeemer family. Everybody awake and ready to go? As you've, well, that's a good question. Let's see if we can find an answer. <laughs> As you've heard me say early and often to anyone and everyone with great excitement, 2018 really was a banner year for us. And 2019 is already starting strong. I'm excited to tell you that we have seven families coming to our day of discovery this morning. I'll say more about that at the time of announcements. But what an awesome affirmation of good things God is doing in our midst. So we're thankful to God. And I'm thankful to you for your good work. To give us a quick recap, if you're new to us, we hired Father David Roseberry as a consultant in the first half of 2018. He helped us chart a course for the next 10 years and beyond of our common life together. And as you know from my time in the Holy Land this past summer when I was on sabbatical, God also spoke to me very powerfully about what He has in mind for us. How we are to be salt and light as Christians in this world, working to become that city on a hill that God is calling us to be. So as we look ahead to 2019 and beyond, we know this. We know that we all want and we all need to connect We need to be a part of community, to connect to one another and to connect to God. So it seems appropriate enough to start this year with a sermon series about our priorities. A series we're calling Connecting to Christ the Redeemer in 2019. Over the next six weeks, we're going to focus on those things that we have painted red as we've been talking about worship, life groups, and ministry and mission. We're going to start with worship this morning. For as we know, worship is the first priority of the Christian life. Worship is that spiritual fuel that sets our lives on fire for Jesus Christ. So let's talk about the word worship. What does the word worship actually mean? Well, the most basic definition of worship is simply to ascribe worth to someone or to something. And if we think about that for just a minute, worship is actually a very natural part of our lives. We give worth to our spouse. We give worth to our children. We give worth to our jobs, to our hobbies, to our activities. We give worth to sporting teams. Interesting. (laughs) We give worth to colleges, even to certain schools. We bleed all kinds of college colors in this room, don't we? In fact, I have an example. A few years ago, Margie and I went to a fundraising auction. And I may or may not have spent too much of our hard-earned money on a Longhorn football helmet. Now, Now, this wasn't just any ordinary helmet. In fact, in fact, I brought it. <laughs> it, it. It has names like Ricky Williams, Colt McCoy, Vince Young, even Earl Campbell. If you'd like, I can leave it in a very prominent <laughs> place for us to focus our attention. It, it gets even better than that. Did you know? Did you know that we just beat the number five team in the country? In the, sh- I know. Look at the excitement in the crowd this morning. 
And, and even better than beating the number five team in the country, it happened on my son's 17th birthday. January, can you see how God was shining down all of His manifest glory on the Texas Longhorns? Hopefully you can see the fatal flaw here, right? At a very minimum, if you're a Georgia Bulldog, a Longhorn victory in the Sugar Bowl, that's not good news for you. And if your blood bleeds any other college color, it's not good news for you either. In fact, you might even be somewhat annoyed with me right now. And if you are, then I'm happy for you because you're helping me prove my point. You see, there's a kind of worship that the Bible calls idolatry. Idolatry is when we give too much worth to someone or something. In other words, when we give too much worth to the things that are created and not enough worth to the creator of all things. There's no spiritual victory in a longhorn win. No matter much, how much I may hate to admit it, God doesn't care who wins. And yes, this sermon is being recorded. So if you'd like to share that with your friends, it's now public information. In Christianity, we like to talk about it in this way. When, when God made us, when God formed us in our mother's womb, He, he left this God-shaped hole inside of our hearts. And He designed us that way because He desires a relationship with us. And when we try and cover that God-shaped hole with other things, or when we try to ignore that God-shaped hole and pretend that it isn't there, we get this hollow feeling in our hearts. Because we're overlooking the most essential elements of who we are. Connection. Community, identity, love, forgiveness, mercy, life after death. So as we enter our text this morning, I'd like for us to keep three things in mind. Three things that you can see on the screen behind me. First and foremost, we are actually made to worship. We're made to worship. And, and therefore, we're going to worship in our lives, and our lives bear witness to who or what we worship. So with these things in mind, let's give ourselves to the one who is worthy of our worship as we study the text. As we enter the story from Scripture this morning, we see a very powerful scene having to do with worship, and the one who is truly worthy of our praise We meet this character, you've met him before, John the Baptizer, and he's there at the Jordan River. He's preaching to a crowd of people, and he's baptizing anyone and everyone who hears and receives his word. And as he does, do you notice what happened next? The Bible tells us that as John was preaching, as John was teaching, this expectation arose in the people's hearts. The Bible tells us that they begin to question And before we get to the question, let's remember the context. Many of them had journeyed 20 miles on foot across the desert to see and to hear John. Giving up days of their lives, hours of their day, income and other important necessities, not to mention the very real danger of standing up to the mighty Roman Empire. 
Can you imagine this sense of hope, therefore, that they must have had in their hearts? As they hear John's very powerful message, and as they watch people, as they begin to respond to John's word, can you imagine the look they must have had in their eye? You know that look of expectation that we get from time to time that's mixed with a little sense of desperation. And as they dared to let these words leave their lips, is John the Christ? Could he be the one who God has promised? Could he be the one who's going to fulfill all of the expectations, all of the hopes, and all of the dreams of the covenant promises that God has made for his people? Let's imagine John. When John hears this question, well, he has a very real choice to make in his own mind, doesn't he? You see, if John had claimed to be the Messiah, the Bible might not even mention him at all. And if the Bible did mention him, he would be labeled as one of those false prophets, claiming to be who he was not, claiming to do what he could not, claiming to be worthy of what he was not. But instead, John rightly said, no, no, I'm not the Messiah. In fact, there's someone who's coming after me. He's mightier than I am. I'm not even worthy to bend down and untie the strap on his sandals. You see, John knew. John knew what the people knew, and John knew what you and I know. John knew we were made to worship. John knew that we're going to worship, and John knew that our lives bear witness to our worship. So here's the thing. When John spoke those very famous words, in that moment when he said, someone is coming after me who is mightier than I, he actually became the very best thing that any Christian could ever become. He became a spiritual signpost, standing there pointing the people to the one who is to come, to the one who actually is worthy of our worship, Jesus Christ our Lord. Because in the midst of the crowd who had come with these expectations in their hearts, and again, this is the kind of expectation that it was. It's the kind that makes you pace the floor because you have to have the answer. It's the kind of expectation where you find yourself forcing yourself to breathe because you've been holding your breath for so long. That's the kind of expectation they had. And then Jesus Christ Himself takes the center stage. And the one who needed no baptism became baptized for us. He was validating everything that John was saying and doing, and He was identifying with us in our need for repentance showing the whole world that He is the one who is worthy of our worship. Jesus not only satisfied the expectations of their hearts, but Jesus satisfies the expectations of our hearts. And He fulfills the deepest desires for connection, for community, for identity, for love, for forgiveness, and the hope of everlasting life. For when Jesus rises up out of the waters of baptism, the Holy Spirit descends upon Him in bodily form like a dove. And the voice of the Father testifies before all of the people. It, it, you can imagine it just rushing into the crowd and finally answering the question like a divine wave of sweet relief. Who is worthy of our worship? You are. 
You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. My friends, if you've ever wondered who God is, and if you've ever wondered what God is like, and if you've ever wondered what exactly it is that God is doing, here's your answer. Jesus is God. And in this episode where Jesus, who needed no baptism, became baptized, do you know what He's doing? He's throwing in His lot with you and with me. He's identifying with us in our humanity. And He's doing it because He loves us. As we said before, love has a face. Love has a name. And His name is Jesus. And He is the Christ of God. And He and only He is the one who can fully and finally satisfy our desire to love and our need to be loved. Friends, you and I were made to worship. We are hardwired to give worth to someone or to something. And God made us that way because He wants to have a relationship with us. Therefore, we're going to worship someone or something. We are all driven by a desire to praise, to honor, and to give glory. We do it all the time in all kinds of ways for all kinds of reasons. We honor our spouse, we praise our children. We work hard at our jobs and our activities. And sometimes we talk a little bit too much about our favorite football team. So the question is not whether or not we're going to worship, but who and what we worship and why. Who are we worshiping? What are we worshiping? Why? What is the orientation of our lives? What's the desire of our heart? To what or to whom have we given ourselves? These are the questions that worship provokes in our lives. And my friends, Jesus Christ has made His case before us that He and He alone is worthy of our worship because He and He alone can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Forgiveness of sins, abundant life, and the promise and hope of eternal life in Him. So as we worship Jesus, not just on Sunday, but every day of our lives, more and more we learn about the benefits of worship. More and more we learn to love even as we are first loved. More and more we become like John the Baptist, a signpost, pointing people to the one who is worthy of our worship. That's what it means for us to be salt and light in this world. That's how we will become the city on the hill that God is calling us to be. So here's my invitation. Come back next Sunday. Come back every Sunday for that matter. But next Sunday in particular, we're going to talk more about worship. We're going to take an even deeper dive into the benefits of worshiping God and the implications of worshiping Him in our lives. So if you're new to this thing called Christianity and you're just exploring who Jesus Christ is, or maybe you're in a rut, maybe worship for you recently has been a little bit dry. Or maybe you want to take that deeper dive with God and and go a little deeper and understand who God is and the benefits of worship. Come back. Come back next week because you and I were made to worship. We are going to worship and our lives will bear witness to the one we worship. So let's be a people at Christ the Redeemer who give our best to Jesus Christ even as He's given His best to us. To God be the glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.